0: The Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner.
1: Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the weekly re edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Roaring. Each and every week we talk about sports topics of local interest, maybe a national topic. We've got a gambling segment usually, and we're getting closer and closer to that time of year. And my favorite part of the podcast where you can ask me a question on any topic, just go to Twitter each week. Hit the hashtag ask skinny anything. As always, this podcast is presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. Rick, all this fake football is almost over with. We got some college football this weekend, a handful of games. Then we got a full slate the following weekend and the following weekend from that. The NFL starts. We're getting closer and closer to where all of this matters.
0: Yeah, I, I know Saturday's slate of games sucks, but I can't wait for it to be here. I wish there was a Thursday and Friday night game this week, if I'm being honest.
1: But No, I'm not you because there are, there are Thursday and Friday night games. In fact, we got Thursday, Friday, a full slate of Saturday games, a couple on Sunday, and I believe one more on Monday on Labor Day there's a college football game.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's going to be great. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I wanted to ask you, though, it looked like you had a good round of golf yesterday.
1: Uh, two days ago, Tuesday, we had a day off. And so yeah, Dan Horde, myself, a good friend of ours, Joe Speed, his cousin Chris and I went to Shaker Run and played. And uh, it was a lot of golf course. We played it probably further back than we deserved to play it, but we had a we had a great time.
0: Dan Horde, all-time nice guy, just very, very pleasant to be around. How how
1: good of a golf partner is he? He's a great golf partner. In fact, we played a game called Sixes where you rotate partners for, for six holes, and you take a high, the high, high score and low score, and, and it's, it, it not a lot of money changed hands. But Dan and I were partners. We were the last uh, – we were, we were cart partners all day, but we were the last six holes together. And, uh, and, and suffice to say, that was the only round that I won, uh, but we kind of boat raced those guys in that round. So he was a lot of fun to play with. Nice.
0: All right, well, let's get into it. The uh, big news of the week is Bengal safety Jesse Bates has signed the franchise tag the team placed on him back in March. He'll make $12.9 million on the franchise tag for the 2022 season and will be a free agent after the season. Bates didn't take part in voluntary OTAs in May and June, and he hasn't participated in training camp since it began on July 27th. Skinny, what do you think it was that made Jesse Bates decide to come back now?
1: Um $12.9 million. Um, and I do believe him in what he said. That that listen, I love football too much to sit out the whole season. I, and I've I've been the you know my stance on this all along was he was going to eventually come in. I think it was a, just a matter of of when, not if. And, and I think, and I asked him that. I was I literally said, you know, what made Tuesday the day? Um, and he said, you know, he goes, I really don't know. He said, you know, it just it just felt like the time, a couple three weeks before the season begins gives me a chance to meet the new guys and to, and and put together some relationships with them and. And get myself ready for the season and it does make some sense he he didn't participate in the in the practice yesterday with the rams he's not going to participate today we're doing this podcast the morning of but he did participate in position drills um this gives him a week to kind of get acclimated with all that to see some live football at 11 on 11s against another team um and and then next week is kind of a lighter week for everybody and then he hits the ground running when they start to, to practice for real the week after leading up to the steelers game so it probably was from a timing perspective the right time to do it because he was i mean listen he was we knew that he was out of leverage july 15th there was no longer an end game to this other than either you're not going to play and not get paid or you're going to come back and play and get paid and so I, it worked out just fine worked out the way i thought it was probably a week earlier than i thought but it worked out literally the way i thought it was going to work out
0: jed demusi our uh, former colleague at channel 12 and now just a local sportsman and good guy on social media is fully convinced that the Rams are going to try and trade for Jesse Bates. How likely do you think a Jesse Bates trade is at this point, whether it be to the Rams or anybody? And do you think there's any possibility that him coming back for this week of practice and preseason game with the Rams had anything to do with the timing?
1: I don't. I mean, I guess that's always a possibility, but I don't. I mean, I think that they think they're a better football team with Jesse Bates, and they are. Um, and you can argue, listen, Dax Hill's been great in two preseason games, but are you a better football team with Jesse Bates back there at this stage of his career, or Dax Hill, who's still an unknown, even though he's, he's flashed? And I think the answer is you're a better team with Jesse Bates back there. So is it a possibility? I guess so, but I I honestly don't don't see that taking place. I just don't.
0: With Bates being back, how much of the game do you think Dax Hill will realistically be on the field for? We're talking about a real game, not the preseason game coming up on Saturday.
1: That's a great question. I, I'm going to say thirty to fifty percent of snaps. Um, maybe that's a little overly optimistic. I, I certainly think in the Steeler game you're not going to have Jesse Bates probably playing 100% of the snaps even though he's in shape he says he stayed in shape he worked out with you know three different trainers during this time away he had his iPad um, and had teammates sending him footage from practice and, and and drills and he said you know even though I wasn't here I was here so he was able to watch all of those things he's a smart guy it's not like it's a new defensive coordinator putting in a completely new defense so um you know mentally he should be sharp and ready but i think you know, you're going to see some three safety looks with Dax Hill. Um, that question was asked to Zach Taylor yesterday, and he said, you know, we've already moved him around some. You know, I know we're playing him in Jesse's spot, but, um, you know, he goes, I don't want to give everything away. but we, We've moved him around so he doesn't, you know, all of a sudden when Jesse arrives, um, is is lost playing some other positions, be it slot corner, um, you know, be it covering tight ends wherever they may line up, et cetera, maybe walking down into the box and a lot of those things. So I, I think they you'll see a lot of the three safety looks a, a, a decent amount, and I think you'll see him rotate in for Bates. I mean, honestly, if you want to keep both Von Bell and Bates fresh, you know, you don't have to play those guys hundred percent of the snaps. You could, you know, maybe theoretically give Dax Hill thirty percent of their snaps, take fifteen percent, twenty percent even of, of their snaps off their plate, and maybe they're fresher in games. We always talk about rotating linemen and 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 you know, occasionally rotating linebackers. You got three good safeties. You can rotate them too.
0: Well, and two things about that: one, Dax Hill has already shown the versatility to to do that with to get him on the field with those guys. They've moved him all over the place already in the preseason, so I think that's very much a possibility that he just plays alongside him at times. And then uh, to your other point, it is worth sticking him on the field in place of those guys at times, just because even if he's going to give up a play or two because he's not as seasoned yet and he hasn't seen everything he also has shown that he has that type of special athleticism to where he might be able to pull off the big play and get a splash play for you as well if you give him some opportunities. So I think you got to find ways to get him on the field. Now, how much will that be? Will it be a quarter of the plays, a third of the plays, half the game? I'm fascinated to find that out when we get into the first few weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, I am too, and I do think they are going to try to find ways to utilize him um... – along with those guys, maybe both at the same time. And like I said, rotate those guys through a little bit. And um, it's a nice problem to have because it's really not a problem.
0: The Bengals had their first joint practice with the Rams on Wednesday ahead of Saturday's preseason finale at 7 p.m., which can be seen on Local 12. The two teams will practice against each other again today as we're recording this on Thursday. So, Skinny, I'll start here. What takeaways did you get from the first Bengals and Rams joint practice? Anything stand out?
1: You know, it, it was it was a little underwhelming. Maybe I was waiting for a little more physicality. Maybe I was waiting for a little more chippiness. I guess I don't know. It was
0: well, and they were just doing touch, right? I mean, just, yeah, thud, uh, it, yeah,
1: thud, thud, what they call thudding, where you do make contact, but you don't tackle a guy to the ground. Um, uh, it 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 was okay. I watched mo- I watched almost primarily the Bengals offense against the Rams defense today. I'm going to go to the other side and watch the the Bengals defense against the Rams offense. Uh, you know, I thought the offensive line held up pretty well. And um, I think the offensive line that was trotted out there when it was ones V ones of Jonah Williams, Cordell Volson, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Lyle Collins. And he did take some, some reps with the ones. Um, and as he, the first time he's done 11 on 11 stuff in a, in a practice, I think that was symbolic. Cause I do think that that signified that that's where we're at with the offensive line comes stealing. I can't imagine unless they flip it today and put Jackson Carmen in with the ones at left guard. If it's Cordell Volson again today, I don't know what else Jackson Carmen can show you after these two practices to 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 warrant him starting ahead of Cordell Bolson. I think it would be almost they've made their decision if you see Cordell Bolson out there again today with the ones. No, that's
0: ex- that's exactly what I wanted to bring up next was that that situation because you know, I think a lot of times we as fans oversimplify some of these things. We don't see all of the things that the coaching staff's looking at on tape. But skinny Anybody who has watched these two guys just in this preseason would think it looks obvious. If you factor in the struggles that has been the start to Jackson Carmen's career dating back to last year, it feels like a no-brainer that Cordell Volson is just your safer, more solid option right now to start at left
1: guard. Yes, although I did talk to somebody in the organization who said despite the the, the media and fan um opinion of Jackson Carmen. That's not quite the coaching staff's opinion of Jackson Carmen, but I think proof's in the pudding when you see they trot out there with the ones as well.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I understand that, and that's why I'm always hesitant to go fully on board with that stuff, because it's like, you know, we we all think something looks obvious, and everyone gets into groupthink on Twitter, and they start repeating it, and everyone's saying the same things, and it, it feels like it's a, a no-brainer, and they should just do it. And, and that's about anything that fans decide is the case in a given season but with this one I mean I just I honestly just don't know how you watch those two guys and I understand it's just preseason, and there's a lot of caveats that apply based on who you're playing with and some of those backups on that offensive line that you're playing next to not being very good or maybe not being experienced at different times I get all that but I I mean he Jackson Carmen has continued to look like a guy who doesn't quite get it and a guy who is struggling to figure it out at this level. And Cordell Volson has stepped in and looked like a guy that can handle it. I mean, yes, there's going to be some bumps along the way. Yes, they threw a corner blitz at him late in the game that it didn't look like he saw coming. But for the most part, he has been very solid. And he, when he gets his opportunities to to move some bodies in a in a short yardage run situation or what have you, he takes advantage of those opportunities and he looks impressive.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, Jackson hasn't helped himself. You know, he didn't have that very good game in the preseason game one. Then he all of a sudden in the next game, he, he comes back and, or the next practice he comes back and doesn't participate. And there's really no reason given other than Zach Taylor saying some guys need some extra time, whatever that means. Then he comes down with COVID and I can't say that's no fault of his own. I mean, maybe it is, maybe he's not vaccinated. Maybe he doesn't, doesn't wash. I I don't know. But bottom line is he got COVID. That cost him a chance to play against the Giants. Suddenly we are here this week and you've got these two practices against the, the the Rams in which you're trying to get your first string reps against another reputable first string and who's the first string left guard on on Wednesday? It's Cordell Bolson. Now, again, this can all change today. The plan might have been to get Bolson on Wednesday, first team reps, Jackson Carmen, first team reps on Thursday. But if it's the case, if he's not in there today, I, I honestly can't see how there's any time for him to make up ground in this battle. Next week's practices, as I mentioned, are going to be light and then you're into game week where you're going to have to have your starting left guard preparing. So I don't know how Jackson makes up the ground if he doesn't do it in in on the field today with the, with the first string.
0: It feels like that's where we're headed and I don't think that's like a set in stone and it couldn't be reversed 3 or 4 weeks into the season if Cordell Volson right. no, is just getting right. overwhelmed. But where we're at right now, I I it just it doesn't even feel like it's much of a question. It feels like Cordell Volson is going to be the week 1 starter at left guard.
1: I, I, it's trending that way. I, I think the encouraging thing was getting Lyle Collins out there, um, taking a, a, a good chunk of reps with the first team um, as well. I, th- I think that shows he's, he's mu- you know, no doubt, barring some kind of weird setback, he'll be ready to go for week one against the Steelers.
0: Yeah, positive development there. Uh, speaking of being 100% or not, Joe Burrow says he's not 100% yet. He's still waiting to find or see something else before he'll know he's 100%, although he didn't want to share – what that something else was, what percentage do you think he looks to be at right now?
1: Ninety eight point six. I mean, he he looks, <laughs> he looks fine to me. Um, you know, maybe he's not throwing it with the zip he would like. Um, he certainly has talked about, and obviously, this was a storyline last week. And you know how noticeably thinner he was. And he admitted he lost weight. He's looking to put some of that weight back on. So I'm going to guess there's probably a target number for him there. Um, I thought he looked, honestly, physically, I thought he looked better when we saw him yesterday. Um, looked like he had put on a little bit more. I mean, he's still a thin guy. He's, you know, he's he keeps himself in great shape. That's why it was weird when he looked noticeably thinner, but he looked much, much better. You know, moved around yesterday. There was a one play where Karras had a terrible snap that dribbled back to him. He scooped it up and scrambled right and threw the ball away and showed some athleticism to do that. So, you know, it wasn't like he had a, a hitch in his giddy-up when he was doing it. So, yeah, I I can't see a difference, Rick. Obviously, he he spoke it yesterday, so I'll take his word for it. But he also mentioned he's got three weeks to to get himself to that one hundred percent mark, and I, I think you. I don't think I I think he's fine. Like I said, if you had gave me ninety eight point six percent,
0: do you believe his recent appearance in a Kroger commercial where he has a situation with a pineapple is a dead giveaway that he's in an open relationship? <laughs>
1: That's that's always the uh, as you know that's if you find a pineapple on your porch or somebody has pineapple um uh I I guess implements around their house it, it signifies that so well yeah, and I,
0: that's what the that's what they do in the supermarkets too they they put the pineapple in their cart while they go around and shop so you know like they're there to meet
1: or or or, or yeah or you kind of maybe you like pineapple right well there's that I mean there's that but what, I like what's pineapple. the point in that conspiracy. I do too. I like, pi- I, I like, I like pineapple juice. I like, I like, pineapple. I like watermelon. What does watermelon signify?
0: I don't think anything. I'm just oh, saying okay. like, you're right. You can like fruits. I mean, i i purchased those fruits fairly commonly, but, uh, the streets are talking or at least the Twitter streets are talking and, uh, well, people want to know because, Joe is in an open relationship.
1: Well, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of the female populace of Cincinnati that is hoping he is. Yeah.
0: They'd be, they'd be willing to get in on that swing. Uh, Ski, do you think drew Christmas to do anything else to take the job away from Kevin Huber at this point?
1: I don't. Um, and it's, boy, it's something a lot of us that cover the team have, have, have talked about. I, I did my latest 53 roster projection on Tuesday, and um, I put Drew in there ahead of Kevin. I've had Kevin in there the whole time. You know, I Drew hit three really good punts in New York, I thought. Uh, the holding hasn't been an issue. In, in the camp practices we see, and I want to mention, we don't get to see them punt all the time. They're off sometimes to the side punting, probably in walkthroughs where we don't get a chance to see the punting. But in the ones where we've seen them punt in, in camp practices, Drew has a clearly stronger leg. Um, I, I I do I, I think he's the guy. It'll be interesting. I'm going to try to talk to Darren Simmons after practice today to see what his plan is to, to see who punts on Saturday. Um, I'm sure they wanted to get drew all the punts on on this pass I to give him a chance to see what it's like punting on the road um, uh, get him into a full rhythm of a game as opposed to alternating like they did in the first game um, but I I'll, I'll be interested to see how they handle this punting situation Saturday but it's just you know I, I think Kevin can still do it I, I it'll it'll be fine if he wins the job but if you're going on what the eyeball has seen so far it has been drew Chrisman has a clearly stronger leg holding was a big uh, point of this battle too it seems like he's done just fine holding so that's kind of out of the equation so i i do think it's his job now
0: yeah i mean he he has been impressive i'll give him that even even pinning opponents down inside the 20 you know making sure you don't give them that touchback and kick it in the end zone keeping them the the 10 or what have you he's well how and how about the play where he
1: he, the the play he ran downfield and forced the guy out of bounds yeah
0: yeah i wanted to make the tackle no, he's been he's been good. It does feel like he's definitely won that job at this point. So I was curious to get your take on it. Is there anything else that you're specifically looking at in this final preseason game on Saturday?
1: Literally nothing. I mean, you talk about nobody of note really playing in this game. Um, I, I would say if you're shooting up for this game, there's a pretty damn good chance you ain't making this roster. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I got a feeling you'll see some some main backups not playing this game. I, I listen. I I think you'll see. Well, I'll be I'll be interested. I don't even know if Chris Chris Evans suits up for this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's there's no question whether he's making the team or not, right? No, so, no, like,
1: no, right? No. In fact, he started taking some second team reps yesterday too. I thought it was interesting, and actually, he jumped in with the first team on a couple of reps to give Joe Mixon a break.
0: That uh, is interesting. I mean, he's been fun to watch in the preseason once again. I'm um, I'm curious to see if they start to see to work him in to start the year a little bit more, but. You know, we talked about, I, that I, I think, I think ago. they
1: will. I think it's trending. In, yeah. I think it's trending in that direction, Rick. I, I really do. It, it just, he just has such acceleration and playmaking ability. And listen, they like Samaj P. Ryan. And to be quite frank, I know the Super Bowl runs, the one that sticks with everybody. But if you look at him from a backup perspective, go look at his numbers, what he does on special teams, what he does in, in blitz pickup that, that Chris is not you know, fully capable of doing yet. He had a pretty damn good year.
0: Yeah, I think most people would acknowledge that he's solid. It's just he gives you no sizzle. You know, there's no pop to him. You don't you don't get excited when he's in the game. I mean, you, you might feel good about getting your three or four yards on average, but if it's uh, him for a short yard situation to win the game or you're hoping to see someone bust a long one, that's not a guy that really inspires a lot of confidence. And I think that's why fans like Chris Evans.
1: His performance against Houston two years ago would beg to differ with that. Was it a screen? He took a screen pass like 70 yards for a touchdown, didn't he? Or a long, he had a long run in that game.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying it's never happened. I'm just saying overall, I think that's why Chris Evans is more exciting to fans because he has that dynamic aspect to his game where you just feel like every time he touches the ball, something special could happen. And then well, I, know, with yeah, Joe Mixon, I just think he's, he's a, a tougher runner
1: overall. Oh, no question about that. But Yeah, I mean. On three touches in two preseason games, Chris Evans has had a 41-yard kickoff return, a 73-yard kickoff return, and a 60-yard run that unfortunately was wiped out by a by a holding penalty. That's just that's on on very limited touches in two games. He has he has had three 40-plus yard plays.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just and he, we saw it last year at times. You know, with the the rare opportunity got a chance, it it felt like he would make a guy miss or or show that ability to to do something special. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I, I don't really think this matters, but do you care to weigh in on the Thad Moss block on K- Kavon Thibodeau? I,
1: I, I do. Um, I, I saw your tweet, um, and I'm, go, I'm just going to be honest with you. It, it, it's it, it looks like a dirty play, and it's simply not. Now we can also argue should that should that block be taken out of the rule book, or or actually should that block be taken out of football? We can argue those things for sure, but. It wasn't dirty. I mean, it's well within well, the, the rule of the game. And I'll be honest, I mean, even even the head coach of the Giants, who could have banged his shoe and said, what a dirty SOB. He said, listen, that's, that, that's part of the part – got to learn how to play that block.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I do agree that uh, Kayvon Thibodeau did not protect himself well in that situation. But I, I think there's a difference between something being illegal against the rules and it being like a cool thing to do to a well, fellow athlete. And I know there's tons of pros that are on both sides of this. A lot of offensive guys are like, hey, this is how we're taught to do it. And a lot of defensive guys are like, yeah, it's BS. And you know it. My thing, the part that makes it gross to me, if we're being honest, isn't really fair. But it's just like seeing a guy who really shouldn't even be on the roster is going to be lucky to make a practice squad roster. Taking that shot on a guy who is clearly bracing himself for impact from the side because he's out of the play already. It's like that. that's gross to watch. It is.
1: Now, the one thing I will say is what happened to Thad Moss in preseason game number one? He got caught for two holding penalties. Right. So, in his mind, if he goes up high and tries to block him with his hands, he risks, runs the risk of getting another holding call. And so, again, it's well I mean, within all, the
0: rules. All, yeah. All he had to do was just run into him and, and get in the way at that point. He had all, the play was to the other side. It, it doesn't matter. Like, Plenty of guys do this. It's not like it's something that doesn't happen all the time. I agree with that. It's just gross to see from a guy like Moss on a guy like Thibodeau in a preseason game when it was a meaningless, the ball was going the other way. You know what I mean? Yeah, like but
1: You know what? But but here's the thing, though. I, I can guarantee you in a film session, if he d- hadn't done anything, he gets his ass chewed out in a film session saying, hey, I don't care if it's on the backside of the play. You're still part of the play. Make a play on a guy.
0: Yeah. I just, I just think you can, you can push them out. Wait, whatever. I mean, my favorite part of this though, is there's like uh, guys who were school trainers for their high school team. And they're like, oh, if, if you think that's a bad hit and you just don't know sport, you don't know football. You didn't play the game. It's like, buddy, I'm sure when you were handing out towels to the uh, varsity team, it was different, but you know, relax. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Uh... It's like, I mean, there's there's plenty of NFL guys that agree. It's like, that's a BS hit. You don't do it.
1: No, I, 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 mean, I will say this. Is, is Again, I'm taking up for him on many fronts. Um, I, I do think that that block should maybe be eliminated.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, it definitely should. But, you know, whatever. I, it's not like it's something I really care about. It just sucks to see it. Again, I think the the optics of it that suck are the fact that it's a meaningless player in a meaningless game doing it to a really talented guy that just got drafted in the first round, you just don't want to see a team lose a talent like that over a completely meaningless
1: play. Yeah, and I'd also argue why the hell is he in the game at that point too? Oh, that's fair.
0: I think that's fair. I mean, as a young guy, you got to get him snaps. You got to get him some reps at some point. But and Thad Moss was on the field the entire game because the Bengals don't have any tight ends, so you're in danger at any point. The, the biggest thing about it, honestly, was that it was so awkward. Like we were always off. taught to blow up a guy's thigh pads if you're go if you're going into to cut block him like that, and. I mean, he was he just like fell on top of his lower half of his leg. You know, it wasn't like he didn't clean him out and dive into him. He just like fell on his leg and ankle, which not ideal. But
1: anyway, there are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority notified, and Amex Card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash with amex. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?"
0: We, we talked about at the top that college football season is around the corner. Starting this Saturday, you've got week zero, a pretty bad slate of games. We'll get to those in a second. But I want to talk some college football here. The Athletic on Wednesday ranked college football coaches by tiers. Those tiers included Nick Saban in tier 1A by himself. And that- then nine coaches in tier 1B, which includes Ryan Day at Ohio State and Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Mark Stoops was included in Tier 2 with 22 other coaches. One excerpt from the story included a quote from an agent where the agent was asked point-blank who the best coach in the country other than Saban is, and the agent responded, quote, if I had to pick one, I'd go fickle. That guy got Cincinnati into the CFP, end quote. Skinny, what do you think of the college football coaching tiers, how they've done this? How would you break it down if you were trying to rank the college football coaches? And then I want to get into... How many college football coaches would we take before Luke Fickle right now?
1: That's it. I, I like the last part of that. We'll get to that. Um, I do like the fact they put Saban in a, in a class by himself because, truthfully, he is. That's accurate. I mean, he, yeah,
0: I totally uh, agree. Was, I don't think was, there's anyone else you can compare him to right now.
1: That was well done, and I'll be honest. I, I'm a big Luke Fickle fan. I, I I'm I can't tell you how impressed I am because not only did he did he put together a team quickly that got to the college football playoff, but this wasn't like all the stars aligned and, you know, this is the one run they're going to make. I mean, this looks like it's sustainable because this looks like a, a UC team this year that's going to be really good again. And if it can somehow go and beat Arkansas, and you mentioned Dan Hor, we were talking about this after the round of, of golf, we we're having a couple couple of pops. And um, I, I made the point, I said, you know, if they can beat Arkansas, yeah, I know there's a couple of tough conference games ahead, but do you start dare to dreaming again that you can run the table?
0: it's realistic. It feels more likely that this team will slip up somewhere along the way, just because they don't have that leadership and experience and all of that, that they had those guys on that team last year had just been in so many games before. And they had had those opportunities that they didn't quite get all the way there in the the years prior. So uh, I feel like that experience is key when you're trying to make a run like that, but it's not out of the question if they win that early game. No, right. That's right. So here's my thing. I, I, Felt like when I first looked at it, tier 1B to have nine coaches in it felt like a lot. But then when uh, I
1: can tr- you, write, do you Do you have the list handy of who's in the 1B?
0: I do. It's Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart, Jimbo Fisher.
1: Yeah, I see, I, I don't get the love for Jimbo. I, I'm sorry I don't. Ryan
0: Day, Luke Fickle, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, Jim Harbaugh, and Kyle Whittingham at Utah. Jim
1: Harbaugh, really?
0: Yeah, see, that. that's the thing. When I, when I said it's way too many was my first instinct on the tier one B. Then when I started looking at it, I'm like, man, it does get tough to separate here with a lot of those guys, or at least seven of them. The two that are no doubts that you could cut off the list for me are Harbaugh and Whittingham. I don't think those two guys are in the same.
1: I think think Mark Stoops has done as much at Kentucky as Whittingham's done.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: I I I think he's done great things. Sure. Um,
0: He's been good, but I just don't really understand how he's even in the conversation of one B with these guys.
1: Yeah, I think he's a two, and I think I'm with you. Hardball's a two. I mean, I mean, dude, Jim Hardball was on the precipice of maybe being fired.
0: Right. He pulled off one win over Ohio State, essentially. That's right. I mean, not that Michigan hasn't been good. They've been, you know, ranked nationally and all that stuff. I'm not saying like Michigan hasn't been a solid program during his tenure, but it was not enough for their fan base up until last year when he finally beat Ohio State.
1: Right, right.
0: So I would have a problem with those two. But here's the only thing is I don't know exactly how you do this. The guys who have won national championships, Sweeney, Smart, and Jimbo. Like, I, I don't think I'd want Jimbo Fisher over Ryan Day or Luke Fickle or Lincoln Riley.
1: I, I, I could drop Jimbo Fisher to the second, to to, to tier two. I I'm I not could a, too,
0: but it's tough to keep a guy with a national championship. Out I'm, of noting the I'm noting you. I'm noting
1: you. But I think he's
0: clearly past his prime too at this point, right? I mean,
1: um, yeah, his his recruiting class would tell you no. I mean, well, uh, yeah, and
0: that's always been the thing with him. He could always recruit, and you know, I think they they have a way of doing things that works.
1: (laughs) Some good money spreading around, bro.
0: Yeah, it's legal now, so. Yep. Sort of, of, although they seem to still be pushing the boundaries and getting in trouble for it somehow. But yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean. Let's get into the Luke Fickle thing. How many yes. of these guys would you take over Luke Fickle?
1: I'm going to tell you none of them, and I'll give you my reason why. Nick Saban, you will. Well, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We've got Nick Saban in a class by himself, right, so he's off right. to the side. Yeah, Nick Saban is in a class by himself, and I think Ryan Day, to his credit, has done a great job at Ohio State of maintaining that. And that, to me, is part of this. He came in and didn't screw it up. Okay, good for him. He, he inherited a, a great program. Like Urban Meyer or not, Urban Meyer put that program back on on blue blood, solid footing. And um, and there's no
0: wiggle room at a place like Ohio State. Any yes, dip correct. is going to be seen as you're not the guy.
1: Correct. Um, I may put Dabo in that group because when Dabo took over Clemson, it was a middling program. Now, it had a national championship under Danny Ford back in the early 80s. It's been a perennial bowl team, but Dabo took it to a different level. So I could argue I could put Dabo ahead of Luke Fickle.
0: Him and Sabin are the only two with multiple championships right now
1: currently coaching, right? Kirby Smart is close because uh, Mark Rick did a wonderful job at Georgia but could never quite get over the hump. Well, Kirby has, and then he cleared the final hurdle by winning a national championship, and he's got that program um, looking like it's going to be neck and neck with Alabama for, for however long he is the head coach there. So I could argue Kirby Smart may ahead of Luke Fickle. But I also wouldn't be bad, mad if somebody said, no, i, I take Luke. But fine, I'm with you. I, I think I'd take him too. I, the job he's done here at Cincinnati is remarkable. Now, you can say Brian Kelly did something similar. Yeah, something similar. Yeah,
0: but, but not the same.
1: But not the same. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, 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 if I was an NFL team, I think Luke Fickle would be a perfect NFL head coach.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, look at what v- Vrabel's done. Right. And I think a lot of people compared They're, those two.
1: Yeah, solid core values of, of of how to get things done, organized to a T. Um, I, I just think he'd be a wonderful NFL head coach.
0: I could see that for sure. I think the the part of this is if you're looking at it from a perspective of, hey, I've got an a upstart college that just became Division One, and money is an option. We can go get any coach we want. There's probably a handful of names that the average national person is going to select before Luke Fickle, right? And I mean, I think it's... Brian Kelly was one of them. I think it's Debo Swinney. I think it's Kirby Smart. Probably Ryan Day. Maybe Brian Kelly. Maybe Lincoln Riley. But after that, I don't think there's really many others that people would take. I mean, maybe no, a Jimbo and- or something like that because he has the championship. But, like, I'd say the lowest you would put Fickle on this list, even from, like, a an average national person perspective, is eighth.
1: Yeah. No, and, and I'm I'm kind of mad on Lincoln Riley because it felt like every year he'd have one or two close calls against teams he shouldn't have, and then they'd lose a game they shouldn't. Right. Or when they got up against the powerhouses when it mattered, they got their their ass kicked.
0: No, I agree with you on that. I'm just saying, you know, there's I I imagine there are some people out there that would make that argument. And and it's probably more of a national bias than anything, but it is what it is. I think if you're if you're if you're UC and you already have Luke Fickle, I don't think you trade him for any of these guys. No, I'm with you. That's the thing. If you if you have the opportunity to get Luke Fickle. You don't necessarily get excited about any of these other guys over him if he's already your guy or you have the opportunity to get him. So, I mean, I, I could legitimately see him being as high as three or four on the overall rankings list, depending on if you've gone sour on Dabo or not.
1: Yeah, I, I have not gone sour on Dabo. I, you know, I, I, I think he's, you know, there's a little blip in last year on the radar, but everybody can have a little blip here and there. Yeah, I think um, the
0: bigger thing for him is with all the NIL stuff and the changing landscape, he's been very uh, unhappy about all of that. I think some people feel like he's lost touch a little bit with
1: the situation. Yeah, and that's, that, and that's fair.
0: So we'll see how that impacts their recruiting going forward. I mean, obviously, they're still getting some dudes there. So I, I imagine they're going to turn that thing around pretty quickly. But uh, they're ranked, what, third or fourth to begin yes, this year? Yeah, so they they yeah. should be all right, it would seem. But yeah. No, it's an interesting conversation, though. I mean, when I saw this, I, my initial take, like I said, was, "God, that's a lot of guys in those tiers." But then, when you start breaking it down, it does get hard to separate some of them because you have that national championship factor. I think with guys like Jimbo Fisher, well, really just him is the only one that 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 really applies to. Um, and then, yeah, you but know, I could
1: argue for him. He 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 did that taking over a program that was a blue blood at the time. And after he left, the cupboard went very bare, very quickly. So what did you leave behind? Nothing but a trail of tears. And honestly, what have you really done at Texas A&M?
0: Right. I agree. I mean, for me, it's not even an argument. I, I absolutely take Luke Fickle over Jimbo Fisher. But I understand the point when you're like trying to, put coaches into these tiers sure, there's there's sure. some of somewhat of a uh what have you done your overall body of work that's going to come into play and yeah and I, and you're right what, there's only a handful of guys that have won a national championship that are still coaching period right
1: yeah no, and one not, of one of them's
0: in t- tier two with mac brown
1: that good. yeah but but it, I think some of that though is you're taking Mac Brown where he is today, and I'm trying to take Jimbo Fisher where he is today. Right.
0: And that's fair. Yeah, I think I mean I think people feel like because of the recruiting, Jimbo Fisher is still closer toward the top of the game. I mean, Texas A and M is still a factor. No uh, question. But no, I agree. I don't I don't think he's in his prime anymore, and I don't think there's any doubt that I would rather have Luke Fickle. So
1: it's like I did like by the way, ESPN did a did a thing, their their FPI, which their whatever football power index thing, majority. I don't even know what the formula Some of it I just roll my eyes but they did a uh, I saw a graphic yesterday where they had um the chances for for teams to win the SEC this year Bama was the was the first choice Georgia was the second choice and there was a big drop off you know who the third choice was and I get it and I'll tell you why I get it here in a second I don't who was it it was Kentucky really well I think the belief is is the gap between Bama and that other division is a little wider that Kentucky maybe has a puncher's chance because Georgia comes to their place this year to beat Georgia. If it does, that's probably the game that decides who wins the East. So I get that. But when I tell you the gap was huge, you can understand the gap was huge between Bama and Georgia and the rest. And Texas a and came in at fourth, the, the one team that's probably got the best chance to to battle Alabama in the West. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's shocking about Kentucky, though. I would not have expected yeah.
1: that. It only gave it like a 4% chance. It wasn't like a big deal, but but I'm saying there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own.
0: All right, let's get into, you know, we don't have any local games to do our normal betting lines or anything like that, but college football week zero gets it underway. We have, this Saturday. We have to start Rick because we're degenerates. We have to, I'm going to be getting in on probably like every game on this slate. If I'm being I honest, think
1: I, I think I'm thinking about it. Actually,
0: let's go through what, I mean, we don't have to go by every game or anything, but what do you have for me? Is there anything that you actually like on this slate?
1: I don't know why I, I can't buy into Scott Frost until he proves to me I need to buy in, and you're gonna give me solid Pat Fitzgerald and thirteen and a half points at home. Maybe Northwestern is gonna be just that bad this year, but that feels like it's a it's an inflated number because of the name Nebraska, which just has no name cache anymore. Thirteen and a half at home for Northwestern. I, I like solid Pat Fitzgerald in that spot, and and if I need to, I'll buy the half a point to get it to fourteen.
0: I mean, Northwestern won three games last year. They stunk. They're probably going to stink again. Nebraska at least has a talented quarterback in the Texas transfer, Casey Thompson.
1: They have Scott Frost as their coach.
0: I know. I'm. You know what? I think I like Nebraska minus 13. I think I'm against you here. But you know what the Ooh. number I really like in this game? And there's a game at noon kicking off. It's the Western Kentucky game, but there's not even a lineup for that one yet. Oh, uh,
1: yeah, there no. it is. I got it. They're oh, 21 and really? a half. Yeah, twenty
0: one and a half. All right, so I might be in on that, but this is going to be the real first game. This is on national television. It's in yep. Dublin, Ireland. It's two power conference programs playing against each other. So this is one that everyone's going to be watching. Yeah, this, you know, I, I
1: did say it's at home. You're right; it is in Dublin, Ireland. It's a neutral field. I'm still taking solid Pat Fitzgerald. So, Pat but Fitz, he, hang on. Th- think of that Fitzgerald in Ireland. Come on, he ain't he ain't not going to cover. I you know what? I, I didn't think did the, I about did that storyline.
0: That's that's actually a good spin. I kind of like that.
1: Yeah, I but I also just use one of the worst double negatives in history with the ain't ain't not gonna. Ain't uh, that, not that,
0: that, gonna. <laughs> <laughs> um, ain't not gonna. Uh but here's the number I really like in this game, skinny. Under 49 and a half as the total. I'm These two teams are going to Dublin, Ireland playing at 12:30. There's going to be all types of jet lag going on. Play the under 49 and a half.
1: Yeah, I've got one other one for you, and it's way, way off the reservation because I don't even know how good the one team is. I'd be willing to lay the points. This is just one of those clear play against because they're just such a horrible program and they need to drop football. Utah State minus 26 and a half against UConn.
0: Yeah, you got to do it. One, there's nothing I love more than betting against UConn. It's one of my favorite things during college football season. So get started right away here in week zero with that. And two, I always love betting the biggest line of the week. And right now, that is the biggest line of the week, that minus 27. So I'm taking Utah State in that game. I love it.
1: All right, I'll give you one more. um, And just because this is usually my angle for this. Whenever Hawaii's on the islands and they're they're an underdog, you got to take them plus the points. I, I they're not as good away from the mainland. They're playing Vandy. It's obviously, you know, it's an SEC school, but it's it's the lowest of the low rungs of the SEC schools. And Hawaii's getting aided at home. That just that always feels like, man, you just you got to take Hawaii in the points.
0: I just I'm I'm not with you on that one. I cannot do it. The Timmy Chang is their new coach, the former quarterback at Hawaii. Yep. He's going to breathe some new life into him, I'm sure. But They've got a major rebuild ahead of them. This is one where I think I'm going to hold my nose and just take Vandy. I mean, it's it's the SEC, Paul. It's only eight It points. is the
1: SEC, Paul, but i tell you what, it's a team that might get relegated from the SEC one day. Well,
0: they might deserve
1: that, actually.
0: Uh, the other game, and I don't know if you have a line on this one. I'm not seeing it on uh, DraftKings right now, but Jacksonville State, play Stephen f austin host Stephen f austin at like three or three thirty what time is this game yes
1: there is there, there. there's actually hang on there's that's the one game you actually mentioned that one game being the biggest line there's two other lines that have been set that are bigger florida state's 34 and a half against duquesne which is probably worth laying and north carolina's 34 and a half against florida a and m but yeah the one game you just mentioned that's the one game they literally have no line for yet
0: okay yeah so uh I didn't see those other couple of games here on uh, DraftKings. They're not up yet, so. Um, but I do love whatever Jacksonville State is going to be favored by. I'm taking Jacksonville State. Rich Rod said this week that Stephen F. Austin was spying on his guys with video cameras, and they had to kick him out with some like six seven, three hundred and fifty pound strength coach. And I, I, this is just such a football guy move, even though he's at Jacksonville State that. Rich Rod stinks, but I kind of love him just for being a total football guy and pulling this move. He's got his guys fired up for week zero. I love it. I'm going with Jacksonville State whenever that line comes out.
1: You know, I'm I'm a pretty honest guy when I don't know something. I like to tell people when I do know something and feel like I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'm I'm not going to lie. I did not know Rich Rodriguez was at Jackson, Jacksonville State. <laughs>
0: The only, I mean, honestly, I, I remember that being a thing and then I didn't even remember it again until he got mad this week for Stephen F. Austin spying on his team
1: from ascending to being the head coach at Michigan one day to Jacksonville state, West Virginia, Michigan.
0: Now you're at Jacksonville.
1: Now you're at Jacksonville state. Well, good luck, Rich Rod. And by the way, that
0: North Texas UTEP game should actually be a good one. I don't have any take on it. I I might stay away because it. I probably won't stay away, but I don't have any good no, take on it in terms of a lean, but it's going to be a fun game.
1: Yeah, UTEP, that's actually a pick at UTEP. Yeah.
0: All right, ask Skinny anything. Who was worse, Skinny, the 2002 Bengals or the 2022 Reds? Ooh, two really, really bad clubs. Yeah, Bengals went 2-14 and 14 that year. The Reds are currently 48-74. and 74.
1: Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, that was the year... That I think the Bengals didn't get double digits in any of their first three games, point wise. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have it in front of me, but I know it was really ugly. I'm going to go that 2022 Bengals team. That team was just, or the 2002 Bengals, that team was just horrible. This Reds team is bad. They now have to go 15 and 25, by the way, in their last 40 to avoid 100 losses, which I think is going to be very difficult to do. Um, And 100 losses is, is just a, I mean, 90 plus losses is a big number. But yeah, that 2022 or that 2002 Bengals team was horrific. And the good part about it being horrific was it led to sweeping Dick LeBeau out, bringing Marvin Lewis in, and right or wrong, the next 16 years at least had a modicum of success to it.
0: Skinny, the bye week came in week seven that year, 2002, for the Bengals. You want to hear the first six scores for that team?
1: I I, I know the first three, if I'm not mistaken. Was I right on that, that they did not get the double figures and points in any of the first three? Uh, Try the first
0: four and five of the first six. Okay, there we go. Give me the scores, though. They lost to the Chargers, thirty-four to six, to open the season. That was
1: my my favorite story from that game. Was on the very first play of the season. If you'll recall, this was literally the call. the The offense trots out to the field on the very first play of the season. Penalty flag flies. (laughs) Full or no, I'm sorry, delay of game offense. They had a delay of game on their very first play of the season. That's impossible unless you're poorly coached. Shout out to Dick LeBeau. Uh
0: then they played at Cleveland the next week and lost 20 to 7. They played at Atlanta the following week and lost 30 to 3. They played Tampa Bay at home. I believe the next that was week.
1: the I believe that was the. That might have been the left-handed Gus rot pass, that Atlanta game. Oh,
0: Maybe. God, I do remember that pass. I don't remember who it was against, but I remember that pass. Uh, what a great highlight that was on ESPN. Yeah, I'm sorry, and I cut you off. So what was week four? Uh, week four was Tampa Bay at home. They lost 35-7. to
1: Oh, nice game. Good game.
0: And then they had a nail-biter in Indianapolis the following week, which they lost 28-21, to finally put some points on the board. And then before the bye week they closed it with a 34 to 7 loss at home to Pittsburgh. Went into the bye week 0 and 6 with only one game in which they scored more than 7 points.
1: Yeah, and I'm sorry the, the Reds the Reds aren't even quite that bad.
0: No, they're not. They're not. That that 2002 Bengals team was the right answer. All right, skinny, if an NBA team comes to Cincinnati, what are you naming them?
1: I'm just going old school Royals. Let's go back and bring the Royals name back.
0: Bring it back. Yeah. Listen to Mo Egger's new podcast, which is good, by the way. You should listen to it. He's doing I will. Long form interviews. with. Yep, I, I knew that. Yes. Uh, he did one with Cam Miller, who does uh, like documentaries, local. Yeah, movies he's really good. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Stuff yes. Stuff around here.
1: Yes. Yeah, I and know who he is.
0: He said one of the things that he's been trying to get done that he wants to do might might even said he had most of it finished already was a, a film about the Cincinnati Royals. But because the the Kings still own that that property, I guess, and all the uh, trademarks and copyrights and everything, he hasn't been able to do it. The NBA won't let him do it. So
1: that's 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 so silly.
0: Sucks. Yeah, sucks. Because I that's one thing that honestly, I think I'm just so depressed about the fact that I'll never have an NBA team here that it's hard for me to like read stuff. And I, I don't know that much about the Royals, if I'm being honest. Like I should know more about them because it interests me, but
1: yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, go, I mean, honestly, there, there was a there was a couple of years in the in the '60s, and you got to go way back where they had a couple of really good playoff series with the dynasty Celtics.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the I mean, the players that they had, obviously, it's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, it,
1: you had two. I th- I'm pretty sure Jerry Lucas was a was a, was on the 50th anniversary All NBA team. Obviously, Oscar was. They were on the same Royals team,
0: right? I'm going. If I'm naming the team, though, I'm going the Harambe's. Or if the zoo is not with that, then I think I'd go the brews, like honoring the beer culture, and just go with the giant gorilla holding a large beer. Well,
1: I, I will tell you, if you want to bring if you want to bring another another name back, just along those lines, because we do have a, a rich history of of beer making in this town. And it's obviously had a renaissance with all the 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 microbrews that have popped up. There was a softball team, a professional softball team, back in the '70s, the Cincinnati Suds.
0: Oh, that'd be a good one. Cincinnati Suds would be really strong. Yeah, and again, have a gorilla holding a large beer
1: as your logo. And lastly, and I don't know why I love this name only because I still have a T-shirt. It's a twenty-year-old plus T-shirt. To its credit, it's well-made because the, the 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 stuff that was on the front of it hasn't faded, which it should have over time. An old arena league team, the Cincinnati Swarm. Oh yeah, I remember the Swarm. Or we could go the Cincinnati Rockers, like the old the the. The, the, the Arch Leicester Arena League team.
0: I actually kind of liked the Jungle Cats. Jungle Cats. There the you Lily go. Anderson, Ken Griffey. Yep. Yep. Sponsored team.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we got a lot of choices, uh, but I, if I could, I would go back and, and do Royals.
0: Yeah, that's, that's that's a good name. All right, Skinny, what's the next 30 for 30 you would like to see made?
1: Man, that's a good one. I, I've got one local that I wouldn't mind seeing a local topic. Um I'm still fascinated by the Ray Carruth murder. Oh, good one. i'm I don't know why I'm fascinated by it. It just seems like a guy who had everything and went to that extreme. I mean, you know, he wasn't a dumb guy, right? He actually you know he 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 was a uh, uh, I think a double major in college. I know English was one of his majors. He was a smart guy and a talented player and made money and that was just a stunner to me.
0: Well, and it would do well too, because true crime is such a huge job. Yes. Now, that's yes. Got a, a I, I think there's been a
1: documentary story. done on, on him. Cause he's out of jail now. Um, the son who was in, in the woman, it was in the womb of the woman he, that, that he had a guy kill. Um, although he was also part of it uh, was born and has cerebral palsy. So I think they've done a, a thing on, on the son I just think it would be fascinating. But but I the, the one of local interest, and see if you agree with this. So I almost have to do it in 30 for 30 style. What if I told you an NFL team had a lead at halftime of a game despite losing its starting quarterback to injury? What if I told you during that half team halftime everything went haywire, yeah. including a coach and a player fighting, and things were never the same?
0: So that's exactly the one I was going to bring up. I would love. Really? Yeah. Now it would have to be like one of the mini ones. I don't know what they call those. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, shorts. I think they're just
0: called called yeah. 30 for 30 shorts. Yeah. So it would have to be one of the short ones. Yes. It's not three. like enough for a whole documentary, but I would love to do a deep. Do- and especially because some of the guys that were in that locker room are so outspoken and it, they're so far beyond it at this point. I think you'd get really honest answers about what happened. I do too. interview them all.
1: I do too. Yeah, that I don't know why that one popped in my head, but I, I I've always been fascinated by that.
0: You've also got the Chris Henry situation. You know, I mean yep. he was on that team. He was really the no, main, you're right. you know, one of the main threats. So um I would, yeah, I would that is actually the one thing that I had in my mind too was I would love to see what actually went down that day. I mean, I feel like we have a decent idea, but just to get the details and here, what they have to say about it would be interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we have some of the inkling of it. I don't think we have the full story in any way, shape, or form of what actually transpired.
0: Yeah, no, that would, that would be one. I would definitely be interested in hearing. I don't know that I have another good answer for that one to be quite honest. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. don't. I'm going
1: going with those two stories. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe, maybe the the night hugs got pulled over for his DUI and how things spiraled out of control after that. And why, but why, how he lost his job.
0: Yeah, well, just the Hugs era in general for UC would be a pretty good documentary.
1: Yeah, shout out to my guy, Bill Cook, former colleague of mine at The Post. He does have a book now on on guys who played for Huggins, kind of doing an oral history of, of, of guys that he coached. I'm looking forward to reading that. <laughs> that
0: uh, I, I don't know why when you said that I was just thinking about the Moe podcast that we talked about. Did you happen to uh, catch the one he did with Doc? I did
1: not. I know he did one with Doc, but no. <laughs>
0: It was, it. I mean, Doc was exactly how you'd expect Doc to, to be oh, in course. a podcast interview. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it was uh, incredible. Anyway, Bill Cook made me think of that. So, there we go. yeah, yes, so I'd be. I'm sure that book is very good. Uh, what would it take for Skinny to charge the mound?
1: I'd say a second pitch that went behind my head. If you threw one at my head, I could probably forgive you of that. But if you buzz the tower twice in a row and maybe there was some bad blood already lingering, I'd I'd have to go.
0: Have you ever been in a a baseball fight?
1: No, I got hit in the head once in a high school game and didn't think anything of it. I just took my base. I was okay with it. Um, No, we got in a softball fight once and and it was a dirty, dirty ass play where it was a big tournament. We were playing over at Rumpke and our shortstop just got taken out in just a dirty-ass way, ended up breaking his collarbone on the play. I mean, he did like a somersault flip, and that led to kind of a full-scale brawl. But no, no, I, I really haven't. But, yeah, you you throw – because the thing is, you throw two – and I would say behind my head because, you know, you know the inclination is you're always going to step back. But, yeah, I, I, I'm i just one of those usually that would just say, you know what, you want to throw at my thigh and you hit it, and I knew you threw it at me. I just dropped my bag and go, thanks, you just gave me a base. And then I'm going to steal second, so you just gave me two bases. So have a good day.
0: I'm curious, was that dirty play within the rules? Um,
1: it was not within the rules, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if money well, that's, was- Trust me, dude, where that slide, it wasn't even a slide, it was a barrel roll where the shortstop actually had enough time to come across the bag, take about three steps to his left to throw it. That's how far out of the baseline the guy was, and then he barrel rolled. him. Oh, uh, yeah, that's not ideal. Yeah.
0: If money was no object, what's the location you visited that you'd like to retire to? Oh,
1: Hawaii. Yeah, no, no question. Maui, for sure.
0: All right, sounds like an easy one. You got one? I don't
1: know that I do. although as I as I've told people, my my retirement home will be in Ludlow. I'm not going to. It's, it's not a lie.
0: Walk down to the park, watch the JV yep. baseball game at four o'clock. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Walk up to the bar afterwards. I got I got twin spires on my on my. Account. I, I, that's all. I, and I and a laundromat close by. Everything's close.
0: There you go. That's all you need. I do like the little. Old town of Ludlow. It was kind of a cool place when I was down there coaching for a couple of years.
1: Well, one, one of my favorite memories as a kid was my mother and father would drop me at my grandmother's on, on Saturday night. Um, I'd spend the night there. She lived right there on, on if you remember where the old Reeves drive through was, which is now a subway. She lived like two or three doors down from that. We'd go to church on Sunday, then go to the Reeves for, for lunch, and it was a big deal for me back then.
0: What was your first memory of the internet,
1: Skinny? That's a good, good question. That's probably, a
0: dangerous question.
1: Yeah, probably looking at seeing the easiest shortcut to finding porn, which we all found over, over time. Um, what I know age I was were the,
0: you when you first got introduced to the internet? Like when you first started? I was gonna
1: start say the it was internet. probably 94-ish. So you were
0: out of college by that point? Oh,
1: long out of college. Yeah, working. well out of yeah. No, I was working at The Post. I mean, that that's where it started to pop, you know, pop in was uh, – in the early '90s, at the post, I can remember some of the dial-up stuff. I can remember we would call up ESPN at the time, GameCast, because it was just so cool to see games in real time. Um, you know, you didn't see the games themselves, but it was like the Pitch the, by uh, pitch, yeah, the, by play, yeah right, yeah. correct, correct. That was always pretty cool. You'd call that up um, and and watch that. So yeah, I, I, I'd say '94, I guess.
0: Yeah, I was the the dial-up modems. The oh yeah, sound that they made. E- <laughs>
1: And then, and then even after all that you still didn't know if you were completely connected
0: yeah well i mean and then if someone picks up the phone or calls in or anything you get knocked off uh we we had aol dial-up was yeah everybody first did thing. Yeah. i think everybody did and aol
1: uh, or, Com- or comp you serve do you remember CompuServe?
0: i don't remember CompuServe. yeah But I remember there were all those like chat rooms and stuff when you'd first. I mean, it was like basically just a a grooming ground for people who were trying to find children to traffic or get sexual pictures from. That's like what the AOL login screen was, because that's like it was all these chat rooms and you'd go in there and you'd click. I mean, it was very easily accessible. And some of them were even called like kid zone or whatever. You'd go in and then it'd just be a bunch of grown men trying to get you to like send naked pictures of yourself
1: very oh, strange hopefully, hopefully you did not succumb to that wish
0: well i mean it's you know there's probably 10 year old pictures of my naked body everywhere on the internet oh my lord
1: that's that's their felony not mine good call yeah uh that's all i got all right all good good, I good place it. to end it yeah no that's a that's a great place to end it by the way rick and breaking news here for you your guy chet holmgren is apparently out for the season Oh
0: no! After getting hurt at the crossover league, yep, yep, because it was too crowded. Yeah, that's yeah. not
1: good. That's not good at all. That's Those
0: mixtape guys that film all those things that are not going to be allowed in now.
1: Yeah, yeah they're not no, going to be allowed to get on the baseline. That's a, that's a very good call. Yeah.
0: I always thought that with like college and NBA though too. There's too many people lining the baseline way too close. No question to the court where it's like these guys fly in there all the time and are just subjected themselves to potential injuries, it's amazing that doesn't happen more often.
1: Agreed. Well, as you know, there's a lawsuit going on with a with a sportscaster in Louisville who got hit during a high school game last year and, and ended up breaking his leg, and um, he is suing the school because it, he, he felt like they had too many people on the sidelines, although camera shot seems to show that he's erroneous in that thought. But I, I think the, the outcome of this lawsuit may change a lot of those things. I honestly mean that.
0: Well, I mean, even just the fact that the lawsuit is happening means a lot of these schools are just going to say, screw it. Yes. We're protecting ourselves. First of That's all, we don't right. even like dealing with you guys. We got our own That's social right. media. We'd rather just control the messages ourselves. They don't want anyone covering them anymore. I mean, they do, yeah, no. but only only the stuff they want to give you. So it's like in terms of getting better access, you're not just going to like fight your way to that anymore. Yeah, That's no, how it I'm, works.
1: I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Rick, appreciate it as always. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming. I know if you've sent a question or two, Rick will keep them on file um, for a rainy day, and we'll pull those out at some point. So keep the questions coming. Thanks very much. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly pre edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending.